This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. stories are beliefs, attitudes, and subsequent actions that are prevalent in your family line. This could be scarcity towards abundance, mistrust in relationships, lack of body love and confidence, etc. We all have these stories and at some point they served their purpose. They kept us safe and protected to ensure survival and family connection through decades of evolution. We stayed tied and loyal to these stories because they were handed down to us in family upbringing. Simply put, we didn't know we had a choice otherwise, until now. In her 10-day course and through the use of simple creative exercises and meditation, Alexandra Slajepkovic will teach you how to extract these old stories, write new ones for yourself and your generations to follow, and finally step into your most authentic self. Are you ready to write a new story for yourself? Valeria Tellis interviews Alexandra Slajepkovic. She is an international vinyasa and hatha yoga and meditation teacher, known for her authenticity, humor, and real-life approach to the mind-body-spirit connection. Alexandra is a Croatian native living in the United States since 1998, where she graduated from Towson University with a master's degree in professional writing before obtaining her yoga certification under the tutelage of One Yoga's Susan Smith. Since 2015, Alexandra has contributed health and wellness content to a number of platforms, including Elephant Journal, Elite Daily, and Savannah Spirit on the topics of yoga in the real world, as well as spirituality and self-development in the age of anxiety and depression. She regularly contributes to Lifehack and was the founder of a free online publication for eager creatives, Soul. Alexandra is the host of a number of meditation sessions on Insight Timer and provides weekly live meditation sessions every Monday under the hashtag Medicine Mondays. She avidly travels and picks up pieces of herself on adventures far and wide, and she shares them in her writing and on her Soul Sessions podcast. Meet Alexandra at alexslijepkovic.com. Here is the interview with Alexandra Slijepkovic. In your own words, who is Alexandra Slyachevich? Hmm, that's a great question. In my own words, I like to keep it short and sweet um, when I try to answer that question. <laughs> I am, I like to think of myself as a writer, as a teacher, as a traveler, and as my personal favorite tracker of meaning in life. I love that and I never heard it that way. 
tracker of meaning. What do you mean by that, Alexandra? Um, I like to, I feel like when I, when I take a look at my life and the way that I am and my characters and my, um, my characteristics and my personality, I always strive to look for meaning in everything, in the way that I teach, in what I write, in the things that I follow, whether it's experiences or adventures or the people that I like to be around. I like to extract meaning out of everything. And within the past few years, especially in this pandemic and how everything has sort of changed in the world, I tried to try to extract the silver lining out of everything. So I suppose the way that I define tracking meaning is just pulling out the deeper wisdom so that I don't look at challenges as just bad days or life being unfair, that I can find something a little bit deeper to help me through those harder times so that I can further enjoy the better times. I love that. And that sounds to me that it's part of the work of self-awareness and also curiosity, isn't it? Being open to life. That's what yeah. it comes to me. That's an interesting way of saying tracker of meaning. Do you connect meaning to purpose and mission? Are they all the same? That's a great question. I think I, I like to be open to the different experiences of life, not in the sense that it gives me a purpose, but that it, it allows me to, um, to be curious and to be surprised by life. And, you know, I love the idea of, of having purpose, but sometimes I think we get overwhelmed by trying to find what that one purpose is in our life. And if we don't know what that is, or if we don't know how to answer that question, it, it almost feels like we don't have a purpose. So I've sort of let go of that mentality and adopted one that says, I'm just going to look at everything that happens to me from a lens of curiosity and looking for meaning, not in what society says, this is what this means, but what do I feel is the meaning? What meaning do I assign to this experience or to this adventure or this challenge? Um, it gives me a sense of authenticity and a sense of of humanness. So I don't know if that's purpose, but it's, it just gives me this sort of aroundness, a wholeness around life. How did you come to these understandings, Alexandra, of being curious, open, and living life the way you do? So I started meditating and teaching yoga and really being in that sort of space about about 2015 or so um, as, a, as an instructor. But back a few years before that, I started as a student and I've always had this just this, just this zest for curiosity and sort of, um, I just knew deep down in my heart of hearts that there was something more to life than just bills and work and this sort of monotonous kind of way that we tend to fall into. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but it's something that we get sucked into, right? If we're not really being aware. And so I knew that there was something more to, to life. And, and when I started traveling more and kind of leaving my comfort zone is when I started to allow that curiosity curiosity to shine just a little bit brighter. And about a couple of years ago or so, maybe a little bit more, I started this really wonderful training with a dear teacher um, in the field of Andean shamanism. And that field it just gave me even more, even more of this openness to curiosity. And one of the things that she taught us and that uh, many indigenous peoples really believe in is in the sense of being your own shaman, in the sense that you are being the, your own medicine person and you are looking at everything in life and, and 
and attaching meaning to it in the way that you want? What do you see and how does that translate and what does that mean to you? So that we're not looking outside of ourselves for meaning or definition, but rather we're turning inwards. And that just felt so right to me, just felt so right in my bones that I just kept up with it. And I kept it as, as a motto and a mantra and something, something that I can kind of anchor myself to in life. And it's, it's really, truly never steered me wrong. I wonder how can we become, let's say, more clear, it might be the word, about the way we assign meaning to what happens in life. Because then the other challenge that might come with that is seeing through the lens of our belief systems that's the topic that we'll be discussing more today, exploring at depth. But talk to me for a moment about the difference between assigning meaning from the sense of essence, of spiritual knowledge per se, or inner wisdom, and then belief systems or even listening to others. We live in a society, we live in groups, so it's really easy to get involved or forget about those inner wisdom. I have seen that happening to me a lot of times, how easy that is. So yeah, I'm not sure if I could ask that question clearly, but uh, I hope you understand what I'm trying to get at it. Of course. Yes. And it's a really good question. Um, I mean, this is also a topic in my own life. And I think a lot of people can relate to, you know, we, we live in this sort of herd mentality and, and the sense of, you know, and, and it's a part of being human. We are socially affected or impacted by what other people think. And, and this is how we learn. It does take a lot of practice to start to tune into what you want and what you feel and what is guiding you in from, from the inside out. Um, for me, you know, assigning meaning has, you know, this has not always been something that I've done in my life, I can't say that I've always done this. It's it's a new uh, sort of experience for me because it really allows me to be my own sort of magician in a way, mm-hmm. if I can yeah. say that. It allows <laughs> yeah. me to create, uh, to create and an meaning out of things the way that I see it, so that I'm not um, looking towards any societal um, standards. Not that there's anything again wrong with those, but kind of looking back in towards myself. And and when it comes to you know limiting beliefs and and co- when it comes to the stories that we hear from other people, they serve a purpose. I want to say all those stories and beliefs they serve a purpose at one point in time. You know they have they have given us a little bit of direction or they have given us a little bit of social context uh, that that in invited us to be connected to other people or invited us to sort of structure our lives. But then you get to a point where you feel pretty stable and now you want to be a little more imaginative. Now you want to step outside of these comforts that you've created and and follow your own heart. And that to me is a turning point in everyone's life. It's that that moment where you can be grateful for the stories that have come before you, even though they might not serve you in this moment, they have gotten you to this sort of fork in the road. And now you can choose which direction you'd like to go in. And that really matters when it comes to listening to your intuition, listening to that inner compass. This is now that moment where all those stories might fall away and you get to write your your own story and you get to chart your own path and extract that meaning for yourself. And the best part about this, my belief is that you're never wrong. No matter what meaning you assign to something, who's going to tell you that you're wrong? You know, and I love that because that's almost like it's almost like a like a freeing sort of um, moment where, you know, you're not you're not 
assigning meaning to something because you want to be correct. It doesn't come from a place of ego. It comes from a place of curiosity and, and knowing that whatever it is that you create, you're doing it for yourself. You're feeding your own curiosity, your imagination. Um, and it, it just allows you to, to trust that what you are seeing and what you are believing feels right for you. It's this really beautiful connection with yourself, um, that no one can, no one can tell you you're wrong or take it away from you. Does it take courage to trust that inner wisdom? Because it feels to me like it, it does, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You need that trust. And over time, I think it develops and it grows and the trust that you feel really starts to almost trust you back. It's like this sort yeah. of two way street. You mm. can trust yourself mm. and then this intuitive knowing and feeling sort of trust you trust that you're going to deliver on your promise to yourself. Something that's very simple that I do. Um, and it doesn't have to be very esoteric or complex, but something that I do on my sort of daily, uh, routine is I will take an hour of my time every day and I'll go outside for a walk. And it could be a very simple, you know, natural thing. Maybe you don't think too much about it, but the reason why that's so important to me and in this sort of discussion that we're having is that I'm creating trust within myself because I'm making a promise to myself and I'm holding myself to that promise. And when I do that, when I say I'm going to take this time out to be by myself with my own thoughts. I'm going to nourish myself by going outside. This is a commitment that I've made. And if I can show up to that commitment in a way that's consistent over time, my body, my soul, my heart, my mind, everything inside of me that sort of functions as one unit is going to trust that I can commit and promise, uh, and hold myself to these promises. Um, it, it it's, small steps like that, that really allow you to, um, to show up for yourself. Um, some, I'll give you an example on the, on the opposite side of that. Um, sometimes when we say we're going to do something and we say, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to start, I don't know, I'm going to start meditating tomorrow. And then it doesn't happen. You, you know, someone else reaches out to you and says, Hey, I really need you to help me with something. And you say, okay, yeah, sure. But then what you've done, not only, I mean, you were a good person to go help a friend, but what you really did is you put yourself sort of on the back burner for just a moment, even though it was something as innocent as meditation, that promise and commitment that you made to yourself. Now your body doesn't know to trust you the next time that you say, I'm going to do something or whatever the case may be. It creates this relationship with yourself that does take a lot of courage to come back to your question. It does take courage to trust that you know what's best for you or that you know um, that you're on the right track. It, it almost creates, you almost have to, to trust blindly um, and say, you know what, no matter what happens, outside of me. I can trust me. I have this courage to step in and take a leap of faith and know that I can take on whatever life sort of throws my way. But it does take a lot of courage. And I think all of us have that courage. It's just sort of unearthing it just enough out of a lot of, you know, deep layers of fear and anxiety. But it's definitely there. I, I promise that it's it's in every single one of us. It's just a matter of um, seeing it, holding it, and then allowing it to move you forward. I love that. And I love your confidence, too, because it serves as a reminder for all of us who is listening now. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you. I'm Thank listening you. like, oh, my God, yeah, I need that. That courage around family members, especially <laughs> saying yes. no, it's really a tough one for me. 
I need to work on that. But I love what you say about also the freedom in that, that it's okay to be where you are. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no mistakes, really. No. So I, I love that freedom, too. And I believe in that. When you, I asked the question about who you are, you said something else, and I have read, of course, in your biography about traveling. Mm. What is that about traveling that is so attractive to all of us? I think it's, I mean, I think for everyone, it's its its going to be something specific, but I think generally and universally what connects us is we, we are all very curious human beings beings. We're, we're, we're generally intuitively curious about other people, other places. I think there's a really big zest for adventure in all of us, some bigger, some less so, but there's this desire to connect and this desire to learn and this desire to track, you know, whether it's for meaning or whether it's for uh, peace or uh, answers or wisdom. I think travel affords so many things. I tend to look at travel more so below the surface than just taking a vacation, although taking vacations is great. Um, but I tend to look at it deeper. I, I, you know, when I, when I choose to go somewhere, I really look at it as what is it about this place that can afford me some new information? What can I learn from this and come back and be a, a, a more well-rounded, better person. And so to me, travel is really this, this very much Indiana Jones, Mm -hmm. mysterious sort Uh of adventure. Um, And you can make it anything that you want. I just choose to do that because I, that just my soul feeds off of that. But um, travel is such a beautiful way to one, step outside of yourself and learn something about other people, other cultures, other land, um, other environments. It takes us out of our own heads, out of our own sort of bubbles. And it throws us into a lot of difference and a lot of opportunity to see differences. But at the very crux of it, what I found, even though there are a lot of different cultures, a lot of different experiences that I can have on travel, um, what I notice most of all is we really are, as people, very similar. We might speak different languages. We might have different customs and traditions. But at the end of the day, we are all very similar. And that, to me, also gives me a sense of unity. Uh, we can be very separate continent-wise, distance-wise, um, belief-wise. But at the end, the very primal basic things that we all want and need are the same across the globe. And I think that's always so fascinating to uncover and learn learn um, as I travel. I love that message too, that we are so similar. And that kind of reminds me of the idea of um, spiritual teachings and spiritual knowledge. Mm. Do you have this kind of spiritual idea? You are a certified yoga and meditation teacher, podcaster and writer. So because yoga, it is um, it is a spiritual practice, right, Alexandra? It is. Yes. Yoga, I think is defined. It's defined in so many different ways. And I always encourage people to find their own definition, whether you want to follow a more sort of traditional secular path, which is, it's fine. You know, yoga has very deep roots in, in, um, in India and in Hinduism. But, um, on the, on the flip side of that, it also has a lot of, uh, potential to, to really be whatever you want it to be. So if you want it to be more of a physical connection with your body, then it can be that. If you want it to be more of a spiritual, mental, emotional um, exploration, then it can be that as well. And I love that about yoga because it really it, it envelops and holds so many 
people, so many different paths in life, um, different backgrounds, different pasts, different wounds, anything at all. It sort of sits in this womb of yoga and it really allows us to be nurtured and seen and witnessed. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it started off back when I first first began my yoga journey as very much a physical experience. And I wanted to, I wanted to move my body, but it wasn't until I really got into the knowledge and the history and the background and all of the tools and resources that yoga offers that I understood why I needed that physical connection first. And something that I, I always witness in students, and I love this more than anything, is we very much are pull to yoga, if I can say, from a need to either sweat more or stretch more or do something with our physical bodies. And it's not until we start that physical practice that we then move into the reason why our bodies need that attention. And it really is a spiritual experience because our bodies hold so much energy. And so not only are you connecting to, you know, your hips or your low back or your shoulders or your legs, but you're connecting to all of these organs and then energetic layers of your body that are looking for more love and more uh, rest and more um, strength and power and confidence. And it just goes much, much deeper than just the physical body. Uh, but it, the physical body tends to be like that, that entryway into the spiritual, you know, and I find that to be, um, I find that to be so fascinating. Uh, we always, at some point, somehow every student always ends up on a spiritual path of yoga without ever wanting to get spiritual. <laughs> yes, um, right. and I, I, yeah, I think that's so, I think that's just great. How do you define spirituality these days, Alexandra? Um, these days I, I, I find spirituality to be in, in being authentic and being vulnerable. Um, you know, in the, in the health and wellness field for me, for many years, um, I've seen very similar approaches to spirituality and, and how it's always been sort of portrayed as one-sided. We tend to look at, you know, the light, the, the peace, love and light side of spirituality without ever quite looking at the shadow side. And I find at least through my life experience, that the shadow side has so much to offer. There's so much more wisdom there. Um, but we don't really tend to look there because it's not always easy or pretty or happy. Um, it's often hard and heavy, but it, there's so much power there. Um, so for me, spirituality these days is, is finding and walking that middle path between shadow and light um, and not being afraid of one side more or less than the other or preferring one side more or less than the other. It's walking that path of, of the in-between, sort of between the worlds, one foot here, one foot there. And then just knowing that that kind of completes me and makes me whole, makes me more authentic to myself. Um, I, I want spirituality for me to feel real. I want it to feel that's something that I can tangibly feel in my body and I can also spiritually feel in my soul and in my heart. I don't want to, um, I guess I'm trying to say I don't want want to discard any part of myself and I want everything to feel spiritual in whatever way that is at the moment. Um, so that for me these days uh, just feels right. So I'm, I'm following that path. With that in mind, I often talk about destinations as not having one <laughs> or not, <Yes. laughs> there, there isn't or there aren't any. But when it comes to the human experience in, in a human body or kind of pursuing this ideas and concepts of spirituality in the sense of something 
happening outside of the body and that, that will continue on. For you, what is the purpose of this experience as a whole? I mean, when I think of, you know, now I, I try to be more present to what's happening right now, more so than looking towards the future or looking towards one final destination, even though that that's a, a, an easy sort of rabbit hole to, to go down. It's easy for us to live in the, in the future, right? We, we can get caught up in planning. We can get caught up in daydreaming about what it looks like five, 10 years from now. But, and it's much harder to stay in the present, but I think that goes back to the idea of trust. It's if I have trust that my future will pan out in some way that gives me joy, then I can stay in the present because I'm not, I'm not ruminating about the future. I'm not, I'm not running 10 steps ahead of myself to ensure that mm. that future state is going to be there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way that I envision, right? I just have trust that it will be there in a way that makes me happy, in a way that supports me so that I can be calm and centered and in the present because I'm not worried about the future. So that's kind of what it looks like for me these days. Again, that's a lot easier said than done, of course. And it's it's a practice, right? To to stay present and come back to yourself. Um, and, and again, if I do get caught up in that cycle of thinking, oh, this is the destination that I'm constantly thinking about, it's okay. I will just pause and acknowledge that. I think the power rests in being aware that you have sort of trailed off and are now in this future space. Um, so it's also a good practice of, of forgiveness and just being compassionate to yourself because we're all human and we're, we all are trying to kind of move ourselves forward on the path of life. I think that's very normal um, and common and nothing that I want to beat myself up over. Um, so that also gives me a lot of sort of peace and presence is that I'm just not, I'm not punishing myself for, you know, thinking ahead or being anxious some days. It's all part of being human. Um, but But yeah, if I, if I can develop a good sense of trust that whatever destination I meant to achieve or reach will, will be great for me and that there'll be more along that road to experience, then I can be content with where I am because I don't have anything that I need to necessarily chase after. I wanted to ask you the question about this idea of freedom, because it sounds very much the way you speak that you're already living whatever we call freedom, liberation. <laughs> That's what it sounds to me. But then when you mention the word practice, then in a way contradicts this idea of freedom. Or it is a paradox, right, Alexandra? We are free, but not free at the same time. I love that. I, that's actually really, I've never thought of it that way. So it's really interesting. And I'm, I'm glad you, you bring it up. To me, when I think of, you know, to me, freedom is, is the ability to be yourself, to explore what you want to explore, to bring yourself more joy, the freedom to, to just be, um, and away from, you know, maybe not so much focusing in on just like the social constructs of being like financially free or being free in a job or things like that, even though those are important, but just being free in like a, a sense of peace of mind. And, um, but for me, you know, when I think of practice, I, it is a little bit of a, of a paradox, but I like to live my life in this way. And I'll tell you why, because I can have this sort of sense of freedom, but then on the other side, I know that there is a practice to this. You know, what I've learned in my life is that if I want freedom, I'm going to have to put in some steps to not just work for the freedom, but to uh, observe and notice all the ways in which I keep myself from that freedom. So. So that, that is a practice in and of itself. I have to look for ways in my life where I keep myself imprisoned 
And then the practice is to extract myself from that, whether it's from limiting beliefs or fears or certain uh, um, actions that I do on a daily basis that keep me from that freedom. So it is a little bit of work, um, but it's not it's not work that is draining. It's work that is sort of enlightening and bringing more awareness to what you do um, consciously or subconsciously. So in a way, as you said, freedom is not free. <laughs> freedom is, right? yeah. It seems like it's a contradiction. It is a paradox, but it's it not free. You're right. It is. It is. It, you have a 10-day course on meditation app that you teach. Yes. That is titled, The Stories We Tell, Shifting Limiting Beliefs. Talk to me for a moment about that. What is the purpose? What is the intention of this work? And also the lessons. I love the title of the lessons too. Thank you. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, so I am on uh, a meditation app called Insight Timer. And I have a 10-day course that is called um, The Stories We Tell, Shifting Limiting Beliefs. The intention behind this is, is a couple things. Um, when I, as I'm sort of on my own journey of, of bringing awareness and understanding myself and, and, and tracking meaning and all the things in my life, I realized that a lot of my actions, uh, were stemming from just old stories that were held by my family, my ancestors, kind of my, my sort of ancestral lineage. And these stories, you know, for me personally were around either money or, or confidence or self-esteem or self-worth. Um, but I think all of us have, you know, either these very similar stories or something within our family that is a core belief. And I wanted to explore that. And I had some really amazing teachers who were guiding me along that journey. And so I took that concept and kind of sort of created it in a 10-day course where it is not the exhaustive 10-day course, but it's something that allows people to tap into these limiting beliefs, maybe for the first time ever. And the other intention is, is to sort of just bring more awareness to it. Uh, when we think of limiting beliefs, we think, oh, here's this fear that I have. And unless I fully eradicate or, or destroy that fear, I will never be able to move forward in life. And I've, I've seen that a lot in, in, in self-help books and I've seen that sort of in teachings in my own life. What I, what feels right to me is yes, we should bring awareness to our limiting beliefs and they probably do keep us stuck in life, but I don't want to approach it from a sense of, I don't want to approach them from the sense of entirely destroying them. I want to learn from them. I want to look at them as a potential wisdom, not something that is uh, looking to sort of destroy me from the inside out. I want to look at it as, as something laying dormant that is as much of a teacher as something that's joyful and positive and light. So this course is really a, a, a course and, and a lesson in being aware of yourself, being aware of the stories that tend to control us. And then shedding a lot more compassion and forgiveness onto those stories because they're still a part of us and then giving the tools and the resources to be able to write new stories for yourself. I, I always um, refer to this really beautiful quote. It's a, um, it was said by a Hopi elder uh, many moons ago, and it says, you are the one you've been waiting for. And we've heard this quote many times in a lot of different contexts probably. But that quote, I mean, I imagine you know a, a family line and someone within that family is 
the person who's going to shift directions, the person who is going to say, hey, we've lived this way for centuries, decades. It's time now to change course. And you get to be that person. Um, you can be that person in your family. You can be the person who says, I don't want to hold on to this belief anymore. I have something that I believe that's very different and I'm going to move in a different direction. I'm going to, I'm going to chart a new path. And that, that can, that could be incredibly healing, not just for yourself, but you're also creating and setting a stage for future generations to come after you. The generations that will come after you will look back to you and say, Hey, this is the person who, who created a new belief, a new story, either a story that I'm going to benefit from now or a story that I'm going to take and change and change directions again. And this evolution of our family line really depends on that. Um, I think it also comes back to the idea that if you're looking to, you know, looking to change the world or looking to make an impact for the better, it's coming back to yourself and seeing, you know, how am I taking care of myself? What am I doing to be a better person? And it starts with being aware of these stories. So the 10 day course goes through each single day has a meditation or a creative writing or journaling exercise where you get to sort of extract these old stories, bring them to light, see them, visualize the emotions around each story, whether it's fear or anger anger or um, depression or um, sadness, all these emotions that are a part of us, not discarding any one of them or not labeling them as good or bad, just seeing them for what they are. And then being able to sit with those emotions, knowing that they are temporary, they will leave, they will change, they will never stay forever and ever. And then being able to write a new story for yourself. So at the end of the course, we have a burning ceremony where we burn our old story and we write a new one. Uh, we write a new story that, or a new belief that we are now going to implement into our life. Uh, so I, I found it to be such a rewarding experience. I always refer to this even in my own life because I'm still I'm always going to have stories and I'm always going to come back to this, to this teaching, but I wanted to offer it for people because I think, I think it's important to, to just be aware of where we come from to then know where do we want to go moving forward. Yeah. What a beautiful journey that I have been on myself. Yeah. Of writing everything down and then burning a lot of it yes, <laughs> and then publishing yes. some of it. <laughs> So true. And in my case, it took so many years. I was 37, I think, when I realized I'm 45 now. So why does it take so long? How do we learn to recognize those limiting beliefs, Alexandra? I think it takes, I think it takes long because I mean, there's so many, there, if you look at your, the extent of your life, there's so yeah. many layers yeah. of, of this, oh, yeah. you know, that you have to sort of penetrate <laughs> and move through. And sometimes it can be really scary and really hard. And our ego gets involved so much because it, it doesn't want to change, right? Our ego likes us to be the same. It likes familiarity. Uh, it likes, you know, your comfort zone. Fear is very much the same way. And so there's certain heavy emotions that tend to keep us from moving deeper into our own healing because I feel like a part of us knows that in order to heal, we have to change. And change is scary for everybody, right? We're all afraid of change. So it's easier some days or, or many days for us to stay the same, sort of wishing that things were different, but not wanting to take that extra step. And I, I feel this very much in my own skin because I've been there and I still am there in certain cases where um, I acknowledge the fear of change, but still want to sort of progress forward. So I think the 
to answer your question, I think it takes a long time because we just have to be, be gentle with ourselves. Um, another part of the ego is wanting this very rapid progression, wanting us to be better tomorrow or wanting us to be, you know, at that final destination that you mentioned, like the next day. And it, you know, life just doesn't work that way. We have to almost suspend this idea of a timeline, um, and, and trusting again, that things will come to you or that you will, um, be who you want to be or step into that new identity or that new, um, vision of yourself in due time and knowing that you are still wonderful and perfect the way that you are, that you're still learning every single day, even though you don't have this radically transformed look that you're looking for. I think it's more, more on the inside. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I started my journey back in 2011. I'm, I'm 33, almost 34 now. So th- there's been a long time in my life where I have sort of gone through that uh, dark night of the soul, if you will. And I'm sure there will be many, many more years ahead of me where the same will continue. And to go back to your to your previous question, I don't I don't look at it as a as a journey of of destination. I don't think we're ever going to get to a point in our lives where we don't have any more old stories or limiting beliefs. I think there's always going to be something that comes back to us, and then it's a matter of returning to your practice of whatever that is to be able to um, to to hold on to your um, to your wisdom and to what you know is true and right. But I don't think that there ever is going to be a time where we sort of graduate from this. So maybe, maybe suspending, maybe that's a belief in and of itself that needs to be addressed. Yeah. I usually ask the question about healing, a destination for healing in a sense of becoming healed one day. Yeah. (laughs) And I agree, but there's something about being open and curious that leads us to have pain, but not suffer from it. Do you mm. see the difference, Alexandra, between pain and suffering? I do. Uh, that's a really, really great question. I, um, you know, one of my teachers when I first started yoga always said, and I mean, this is, she was paraphrasing other um, gurus and teachers as well, but really, I mean, pain or suffering begins in the mind, right? We create, we can have pain, we can have physical pain, we can have pain of losing someone, we can have pain of a lot of different kinds of pain. But the suffering piece of that, I think, is how we react to pain, right? So we can, I think pain is a part of life, unfortunately. I think it's part of us having having ups and downs and having experiences that are not always pleasant. But I think suffering is how we react to pain. Uh, Do we shut down and isolate? Do we get angry? Do we lash out at other people? Do we lash out at ourselves? Um, So it's a matter of I feel like suffering is sort of the the environment that we create for ourselves when we don't know how to cope. And and life will give us sort of tools and resources and, and teachers such as yourself who will share with others, hey, there are different ways to cope with this. Um, and you can learn how to do that so that you are reacting from a place that's healthier than maybe what you've done up until this point. I don't think that suffering ever truly goes away. Again, it's almost like this sort of Buddhist approach of there will always be suffering to, you know, to live a human life is to suffer. And I don't think that, again, that that should be, quote unquote, a bad thing. It's, again, how we react to it. It's how you approach it. Can you extract that meaning from suffering and say, this really horrible thing happened? Yes. And I'm sad or I'm angry or I'm overwhelmed. However, there is something from this that I can learn 
there is something from this that can make me uh, wiser and better in the future. I just have to pause long enough to really see it. Um, so I think to your point, pain and suffering have a lot to teach us. We just have to sort of step away from the social construct of how those words are defined these days. In a way, you don't separate pain from suffering. They are one and the same in a way, but no it's way. the relationship we have with them. Yes. Which, yes. which kind of goes back to the relationship we have with ourselves, right? If we are gentle with ourselves and we have this harmonious kind of dance within. I love the idea of dancing, I guess it reminds me of harmony and balance. Then it's so easy to kind of express that with everything yes. else that outside of us. It's interesting, like the word relationship comes to me when I think about pain and suffering. Absolutely. And I, I love your idea of, of a dance as well. I think that's really great imagery. For some reason, I've been using that word for a long time now. We're almost at the end, Alexandra. I'll be asking you my ending questions. But before that, you're also the host of Soul Sessions podcast. I love the name too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. So talk to me for a moment about that because I didn't really find anything on it. I have to go to your website again, I have to revisit. Yes, um, there is a section on my website, uh, which was just revamped uh, very recently um, for the, uh, there's a, a whole RSS feed here um, on that page for all the episodes. So the podcast is really, it's more a conversations like this, uh, whether it's uh, about meditation or yoga or spirituality or just living authentically. This is something that's very near and dear to my heart um, and something that I try to live as much as I can. And then sharing that with others, I think especially on this path of healing and self-development, I think authenticity tends to sometimes get a little bit washed away just because we're following this sort of social vision of, of what being spiritual looks like or feels like. And not as often do we check in with ourselves and say, how do I define spirituality? What does that look like for me? And then trusting yourself and being courageous enough to actually live in that way. So I talk a little bit about that on my podcast. So it's it's definitely, um, it's a good energy. It's a, it's a good conversation. Um, I share a lot about my own experiences. I try to be um, as transparent because again, I think people really relate to honesty and transparency in that way because it gives them courage to also then share something that they were either holding on to or embarrassed by or shamed by. So I think it allows it allows more uh, it allows deeper conversation and deeper opening. So I, I I like that's something that I really enjoy um doing. It's really healing for me too. So yeah, that page on my website is available and um there will be new a new episode coming out this month, but all the older ones are um there available for anyone to tune into. Wonderful. You now have the link on your podcast profile. What is the website, Alexandra? It is www.alexaleks, my last name, S-L-I-J-E-P-C-E-V-I-C.com. What is another word for healing? Mm, that's a great question. I think another word for healing is something that comes to mind to me is, is awareness. I think healing to me is awareness, is being aware of everything that you hold, all of who you are, uh, without judgment, without change, without either pushing it away or trying to fix it. I think healing is awareness because once you're aware of, of who you are, um, what you've done, what you feel, what you think, 
a healing can really take place. Um, that's the way that I've, I've experienced in my own life. Um, but I urge people to, to, you know, to really seek and track their own, um, their own meaning. This for me feels right. Uh, but I invite people to, and listeners to really tune in and, and start to define, well, what does healing feel like to me? What does it look like? Um, what other words come to mind when I think about it in my own life? I love the way you teach as well, because yeah, you kind of are letting us to define whatever the word means or the experience. So that's a beautiful way of, of not even teaching, of guiding. It's a guide. You become a yeah. guide of life. And I love the idea of awareness. There's something about, there's something playful about awareness because we cannot become aware of everything at once. <laughs> so right. it comes like little by little and it's so amazing. It's almost like light bulbs, you know, along yes. the way, the path, just the stars <laughs> showing up. It's incredible. It's fun, actually. How amazing life That's is. It's a good way to, to visualize <laughs> that. Yeah. So my last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Mm. Um, one, I love, uh, I love the way you said lose the body because that's, it's such a, it's a really beautiful way of looking at death, which is something we don't often talk about, uh, at least in the Western world. But three, three things that I would love people to, um, to know or experience. I think one is for me, that something that I'm always grateful for is my connection to self, that I can look at myself in the mirror and understand that even though I might not love every single part of myself, I'm learning to love and I'm learning to accept. And that acceptance just feels like a weight just dropping off my shoulders. Um, this sense that we don't have to be so hard on ourselves that we we can just accept ourselves as we are, or at least learn and try and attempt and put in the effort. Um, so that first one is, is just knowing myself. I think if we all knew ourselves, the world would be a lot easier to navigate. Sometimes we're not, um, in conflict, we're not in tension, we're not, um, in friction. We're just easy going, trusting, um, always coming back to ourselves. Um, and I think that goes a long way Two, I always think that, if you really want to kind of step outside of yourself and get some new perspective, travel. You don't have to do anything very expensive or very far. You can even just step outside in your local community and try something new. Go somewhere where you've never been. I live here on the East Coast and yesterday I went for a walk and it was maybe 10 minutes from my house and it's a trail that I have never ever been on. Didn't even know it existed and I've been here for 10 plus years. So Travel can be, in a very small sense, very um, simple, but it's stepping outside of what you usually do and learning something new and pushing that boundary, which leads me to the third thing, which is if you, you know, you can feel the fear of something, but do it anyway. This is not my quote, but I love it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. You can be afraid to go somewhere. You can be afraid to try something new, but that does not mean that you can't do it. It doesn't mean that you're not capable. Um, it doesn't mean that it's going to go wrong and that you're going to fail. It just means that you have fear like everybody else. You can feel that fear and you can say, hey, I realize you can even talk to your fear. Okay. Say, hey, uh -huh. I realize I realize that you're scared. I realize that you are anxious and overwhelmed, but we're going to take this step forward and then another one and then another one. And we're going to see where this takes us. And that to me, in my experience, has always been always rewarding. So 
that's something I'd like to offer to folks. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love your wisdom. I love your presence. It's it's very authentic, if we can use that word. But I see presence. It's very present. That's Thank you. That's what it is. It comes across that way. It's beautiful. Thank you, Alexander, Thank you. for being you, for giving us this this reference we need to be reminded of. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Before we say goodbye, besides the website, what are other places we can find you, your work, projects, services? Sure. Thank you. Um, so my website is is a one-stop shop, if I can say that. Um, it has a lot of my links where you can find me. I am also on Instagram. So it's my my one social media profile of choice these days. Um, and that is on my website as well. It's linked. Um, I'm pretty active on, on Instagram. I share uh, tidbits such as this, um, share some of my links that I'm working on. And last but not least on Insight Timer, um, it is a free app. I host all of my weekly live meditation sessions there. Um, and I have a workshop coming up uh, at the end of this month on the 27th, uh, actually. That is a two-hour workshop that's in direct correlation with the 10-day course. So if you don't want to take the course just yet and want to just get a little bit of um, like a toe in the water to see what it's all about, the workshop is going to dive into that. So that's happening at the end um, of this month. And that's on my Insight Timer profile as well. Wonderful. I'll have the link of your website on the podcast profile as well. Thank you so much again, Alexandra. And we'll Thank talk you. soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Alexandra Slajepkovic and her work, please visit alexslajepkovic.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.